We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jeff Erickson here. Uh, as always, our podcast is brought to you by the folks at WinBet. We thank them for their exclusive sponsorship all season long. My guest today is Drew Dravenport. He is with Football Guys. Uh, he is an auction specialist. Specialist, easy for me to say, apparently. Uh, and uh, we, uh, you know, he, he's also an, an attorney and is really good at breaking down issues. Uh, He's a good auction player. I got to know him through Jim Coventry uh, a little bit uh, earlier this year. Had him on the XM show. Happy to have him aboard here now. Drew, welcome. I think we got Oops, you on. Up. All righty. Sorry about that. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. I'm excited no to be here. Appreciate it. No problem. So I'm a recovering attorney, so you're, I just play the home game. Uh, my wife is an attorney, and I graduated from law school, never practiced, uh, got sworn in, all that good stuff, but I, I got out also. So I'll, I'll just learn from you guys. Congrats on getting out. I should Thank have you. gotten out. What type of practice do you have? Well, right now I'm a public defender. Um, okay. And actually, I shouldn't say right now. I've been doing that for 16 years. I took a little bit of a backwards, um, I guess, track you would you, you should say because the uh, most people start out in public and then they go private i went the opposite way i started out in private decided i really wanted to do criminal defense full time and it's hard to find a firm that does only criminal defense work you end up doing dr stuff i didn't really want to do that so i ended yeah. up at the public defender's office for the last 16 years oh cool very cool that's awesome to hear um what well, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that perhaps at the end of the uh, podcast but uh yeah, it, sure. it's cool to see what you're doing uh, let's jump right into the news. Uh, starting off, uh, the trade deadline and the lack of news. Uh, there, there was very little. Uh, there was Von Miller, which I think was the biggest trade of the week. Uh, there was a, uh, the, the Chiefs trading for a backup tight end, trading away alignment that wasn't starting for them. Uh, the only fantasy position player that really got dealt at all was Mark Ingram last week. And I, I would have thought we'd seen a little bit more than that. But the NFL trade deadline certainly isn't like other sports. Yeah, it, it's it's tough. I th I think one of the things that we're seeing this year too is is all of the um, all the injuries are really testing teams' depth. And I think when you when they think about making a trade, they think, "Gosh, that could be us pretty quickly losing this guy or that guy." So yeah. depth seems like a mirage. But also, you know, it's hard to find somebody with the cap space, the right need, 
Uh, you don't want to trade him to a rival. It's tough in the NFL to get those deals done. And yeah, it, it pretty much went predictably quiet. Yeah. You know, and I, I think the cap space is harder in the NFL than it is in the NBA and in NHL a little bit there. I think they've had the ability to be a little bit more creative or perhaps that's just my perception, but I, I do think that is a big limiting factor there is, is trying to you know make these contracts work, uh, especially midstream like this. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we saw that with LA getting Von Miller and, and I think that uh, Denver's paying like 9 million of his 9.7 million salary. So I think that's a huge consideration. Yeah. And you almost have to look at that as two trades too, because considering they traded a linebacker to the Broncos the previous week also there in, in a way to try to open up some space. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, and the whole, the whole thing with Watson and with, you know, th- there's just, there's a lot of hurdles. The NFL's tough. I wanted to see some guys move like Allen Robinson, maybe, yeah. you know, see Jameson Crowder go somewhere, just some things to open up some avenues for production uh, either from that person or because they're leaving and the guy behind them can step up like Elijah Moore or something. But man, tough, tough and slash boring. Right. Day. Yeah. yeah. I thought, you know, Tennessee might trade for someone. I thought maybe Melvin Gordon might go because they were willing to trade, uh, tr- trade away uh, Von Miller, perhaps maybe they also trade Gordon too. But then again, they need, they, they do value their own depth. Yeah, and why? Gosh, why wouldn't Tennessee with the with the troubles that who uh, you know Julio Jones has had staying on the field? Why wouldn't they be in the market for somebody that could uh, you know be a little bit somebody they could count on a little bit more? I don't get right. it. Yeah, and the question might be inventory too. I mean, the Saints wanted to trade for a receiver and couldn't. Uh, so you know, and that leads us to our next option, uh, our next item. That is Michael Thomas. News this morning broke of a setback with his ankle. No due date now for his return from the pup list. Yeah, well, I think that he literally within the last half hour, 45 minutes, put out his own statement. I'm not sure if you saw that on Twitter. I have not, actually. Yeah, uh, he I was just, getting my he, kids out the door. <laughs> that's I understand that, definitely. Um, I got two little ones myself. But yeah, he, he tweeted out his own statement. Sounds like he is done for the year. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's too bad. Um, yeah. I, yeah, and you know, I was hoping I only had him in one of my leagues, uh, and it was one where I was kind of waiting on receivers, so I thought I'd need to take a swing at some upside. But and he, he was already late uh, from our hopes and expectations, however realistic that they were. This this is brutal. Yeah, it's tough. It, it, it underscores one of the things that I have really taken heart in the last couple of years. I used to be the guy that would go into the draft and say, at the end of the draft, I'm going to get this injured guy. And he's going to sit on the back of my roster until he comes back. And then, wow, look at my team when he comes back. But I tell you what, I, the the rate of success of that kind of tactic is just so low that yeah. a couple of years ago, me and my buddy, we just we had this conversation and we just made a pack like stop drafting these injured guys. It just doesn't yeah. work. And I think Michael Thomas is exhibit like 400 on that. So like, you know, A.J. Green was last year and absolutely just. It just doesn't work. So I, I'm, I'm I'm off it completely. Every once in a while, it's going to work, but the number of times you're going to miss, I'm happy, uh, you know, missing out on one of these guys every once in a while who who actually does make it back and makes a difference. That's right. My good buddy Scott Pianowski from Yahoo always likes to say injuries come into the league. Why start with some? Uh, if you already have that known injury, why why bring it in? I don't necessarily believe in injury prone players. I mean, I think some guys might be, but. I don't think I don't like applying that label. I think that sometimes is unfair. But if there's a known injury, I'll I'll just usually move on. And of course, in this one time, I did take a shot. One of my NFFC teams, I did that. But uh, 
Yeah, we'll move on. I think that's the right spot to take a shot, though, in one of those type of competitions. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Jackpot league, as Jim likes to say. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think Scott makes a great point, and it applies to trades too. I think yeah. that the, so many people get excited about like, well, I'm buying low on this guy because he's going to be out three weeks. And you just don't know. And especially with like hamstrings, we're seeing that with McCaffrey. I've seen a lot of people dropping Ricky Seals Jones under the wire. Now, I know he had a bad week and mm-hmm. Logan Thomas is supposed to come back. But we all know how that goes. And just mm-hmm. you know, trading for or or going for these injured guys, I just the likelihood of success is so low. I just wouldn't get into it. I'm with you on that. I think that's the that's the sharp play. Adrian Peterson is officially a Titan. Uh, I know he got signed to the practice squad with the expectation he'll be activated pretty quickly. My first wave of fabs ha- happened last night. I saw him go at one for one person, seventy percent of their budget. I I get it. It's a sixteen team league. It's hard to find players, uh, but I'm not there for that. Yeah, neither am I. So I'm in uh, three or four 14 teamers this year, which is more than I'm usually in. Right. And uh, a couple of those leagues, actually, Peterson was picked up through the waiver process because he was a free agent. He was able to be picked up like on Sunday afternoon. Uh, yeah. I think ESPN had him set that way, uh, but a, a couple of different sites did. So I didn't see as much bidding on Peterson, but I will say that I saw your tweet last night that said that uh, Peterson had gone for 71. And I thought, wow, that's crazy because I was trying to get McNichols in a couple of these deep leagues just because as a PPR back, I think that he's going to be a guy with a reasonable floor and these 14 teamers are, it's tough to find production this time of year. So when I saw your 71 on Peterson, I thought, oh man, not yours, but that you had seen that. I thought that's rough because I'm probably not getting McNichols. I think I had 46 of my hundred left in one league and I threw the whole thing at McNichols. I did not get him. So to your point, though, about Peterson, I'm just worried about the fact that we all keep saying, you know, it's it's Adrian Peterson, but he's 36 now. Is that right? Um, Yeah. And he just I think that as far as PPR leagues go and in deep leagues. Yeah, sure. You want to get a guy who's going to be getting some touches. And I would guess that he's the goal line guy. But if I'm in a PPR league, I prefer McNichols at this point. I, I share your opinion. Uh, and certainly this week, uh, maybe in the ensuing couple of weeks, I got to imagine there's got to be some buildup time for Peterson. I know running back is more turnkey than any other position, but even then it still takes some time. Yeah. And you might see a conditioning injury too. I mean, it's yep. just throwing $70 or 70%. I get it in deep leagues. I do, but yeah. I'm not excited about Peterson's prospects. Uh, sure. He's going to be hit or miss. And there's going to be those weeks, you know, where he has 18 carries for 41 yards and, and doesn't catch a pass. And that's, that's, that's tough to put in your lineup every week. Yeah. Especially if none of those carries are at the goal line. Uh, exactly. I, you can see that uh, confirm. Yeah. He is t- uh, 36 uh, March wow. of 85. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, little steep. Little <laughs> 36 I, uh, for a power back. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. McNichols is interesting, too. Uh, I, I I think, you know, he's kind of last man standing. He is a good – I wish Tennessee threw to their backs more frequently. Uh, but they if Julio remains out, maybe they will. Yeah, and, and McNichols did have a fair amount of uh, work in the passing game before Henry went down. Yeah, so true. I'm just hoping that uh, they pair that with eight or ten carries. Um, and even if he's only getting six or eight, and he's still catching four or five passes. I think he's got some nice PPR value. Yeah. 
Sterling Shepard's going to miss more time uh, with his quadriceps strain. The Giants just can't stay healthy. I mean, it, you know, Tony gets a, a fluky laceration on his hand. Shepard's had multiple times now out. They got their buy next week, too. So I, I think they'll be a little cautious this week with a lot of their players. Yeah, I was talking with, um, I don't know if you follow Dr. Jesse Morris on Twitter. I but, do. Um, I was talking with him last week, and he made the the point that you always have to pay attention to buys with these injury situations because yep. they want to hold the guy out. If you hold him out one more game and then they've got to buy, that gives them essentially two full weeks of extra recovery time. I would not expect to see Saquon Barkley. Um, and, and I think the news did break that that Shepard's going to miss at least a couple games. And right. boy, the way he reacted when he went down sure didn't seem like a normal strain. No, that, that just but he looked like he was in pain, like he had ruptured something in the in the muscle or in the knee. Uh, so, yeah, I I have Dante Pettis, believe it or not, from the week seven by Mageddon in a couple leagues. And I don't think I'm ready to release him yet just because of all the problems. Now, he's banged up, too. but That's but, true. Got hurt um, on that punt play, yeah. If if Tony can come back from the from the laceration and play, he might be in a huge spot uh, filling in for Shepard in the slot. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and going against the Raiders, I, I think that that's a good setup for him there. I'd like, I, I would like to see see what his practice is like, though, before I really kind of commit to that. But this is why we do updates to our rankings. We have an initial one, and then we update uh, as, as we get the news accordingly. Uh, before we move on, a uh, quick note from our friends at WinBet. If there's one thing we appreciate here at RotoWire, it's making your decisions, and even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with RotoWire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down on blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. I'm here with uh, Drew Davenport from Football Guys. Uh, you can catch him on Twitter. You can catch him at Football Guys. Uh, at, tw- at his Twitter handle is at FB at Drew FBG Auctions, and you can check that for Football Guys FBG. Um, we got a question in the, the chat form for you. Before we start breaking down the week nine ranks, a quick question for the rest of the season. Uh, curious for your perspective. With Henry out, who's the rest of the season king? He personally thinks Jonathan Taylor, but Cup, Kamara, Adams, Cook. What's your thought there? Well, I'll tell you what. This may seem like low-hanging fruit, but I was looking into Dalvin Cook last week uh, for a roundtable we did over at Football Guys, and mm-hmm. his season really sets up well. I know he had a bad game this week. And actually, he's got another tough matchup with the Ravens uh, coming up this week. But the rest of the season schedule for Cook sets up really well. The run defenses that he's going to see the rest of the season, I believe outside of maybe like Pittsburgh, um, the schedule is just fantastic. So, yeah, he's got, uh, he's got the Chargers, of course, which are quite possibly the softest run defense in the league coming up. Right. And then he goes to Packers, Niners, Lions. Uh, yeah, and then um, wait, I'm sorry, is that right? Yeah, and then he goes Pittsburgh stuff, but then you know Chicago. Uh, he's got Green Bay again later. 
I think uh, Dalvin Cook's the guy I want at running back the rest of the season. I think if you got a frustrated Cook manager after the performance this past week and upcoming against Baltimore, that's a prime spot to strike and, and lock him up for the rest of the uh, the nice stretch run he's got. I, I think you're right. I like that. I like that call. Um, and yeah, it starts with the Ravens this week and. Yeah, I think you can attack the Ravens. Joe Mixon and P. Ryan both had good runs against them a couple weeks ago. We'll see what they did to address everything after the bye. But uh, you know, they had you know they're kind of reeling a little bit, and they they haven't been that the typical Ravens defense that we've expected to see all season long. Yeah, they haven't. And, and you're right. There was a couple um, bright spots there for the Bengals run run offense, and I believe in Minnesota. And if nothing else, they're going to keep banging their head against the wall, even if they're not successful. They're going to keep giving them the ball. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not super scared of the Baltimore matchup, but I do think that, uh, yeah, if you've got a frustrated Cook manager, especially playing through the injuries, he should be at the healthiest he is right now. We haven't heard about any setbacks, and he's just coming off a bye. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, let, let's start to, start to look at this week's rankings because I think there's some tough calls. Justin Herbert, we are talking on the Chargers on, on the defensive side of things, but Herbert has had back-to-back down games before the bye and then after the bye. Has he been "quote unquote" solved, or is this just a tough stretch? Ah, oh, boy, I'm gonna fence it. I know everybody loves that. I think it's probably a little bit of both. I do okay. think that there are some tendencies that they're starting to figure out, but I also think that going up against Belichick, you can't really say that that's going to be a trend because Belichick had had Herbert's number last year. Looks like he still had it this year too. Sure. I I think that. Um, Oh my gosh! I just got breaking news. Aaron Rodgers, COVID nineteen, oh out for Sunday's game. Holy oh. cow! That's brutal. Well, with those of us who didn't have Adams last week, uh, yeah. now I'm not going to have Rodgers. Oh, that's brutal. Ah, okay. Um, sorry. So yeah, um, I, I think that you know when you when you talk about Herbert, I, I'm not too worried about him. I'm not, but I do think this week is a tough week because. Philly has become a bit of a run funnel because the you know f- over at Football Guys we have our uh, fantasy points against um, stats and I was right. looking at, at Philly before we came on they've allowed the fifth fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks this year so far and you know I don't think that their pass defense is necessarily lights out they're they're a middle of the pack defense according to Football Outsiders DVOA. Yeah, and and their and their pass defense is actually a little bit ahead of that. They're twelfth, but so I don't think that they're a, a lights out. So I'm not super scared of Herbert, but it may be another bit of a you know situation where he's going to be a little bit more disappointing than you want him to be this week because they're a bit of a, a run funnel, and I th- I think that uh, Chargers are really going to be able to run the ball well. I think you're right about that, and they're like I remember going back to the Dallas game. There was a lot of talk about how they're keeping their safety so far back. I was reading an article by Robert Mays uh, in The Athletic just yesterday talking about how all these teams, the big thing now is playing both safeties back a lot more, just trying to present some different, front, uh, you know, rush fronts and some different fronts, but taking away all those deep plays, forcing teams to be patient, forcing them to run the ball a lot more. And I got to wonder if like, you know, Mahomes, we've seen him be a little impatient on Monday night. You know, first drive was working great. They went away from that. He's trying to take shots and ran into some problems. I wonder if the same thing's happening with Herbert. They're trying to take away Mike Williams and all the downfield stuff he can do. Uh, And I I think that is exactly what Philly's been doing anyhow. I think that's a great point. And Williams has been tough to have because 
it was three games ago. I think he got 16 targets against yeah. Cleveland. And then he hurts himself. Uh, clearly wasn't himself before the bye. But I thought coming out of the bye, we'd see a different Mike Williams. But again, it's the Patriots. I'm not sure that I can draw a lot of conclusions from that. Sure. Philly's going to drop back. Like, you, you know, I think your point is extremely, um, you know, uh, dead on that if Philly's going to do the same thing, then they're going to turn around and hand the ball to Eckler and throw him eight passes. And, uh, you know, it may be another tough week to have Mike Williams, too. Yeah, it might be. I might be. Uh, and, you know, it's just, you know, the NFL, it's always give and take, right? You know, one one type of defense is popular for a while. Teams find a way to beat it. Certain type of offense gets popular. Defenses adjust. It's this little cat and mouse game. And right now, that that's the new trend, it seems like. For sure. Yeah. I agree. Um, other, other quarterback issues. Kyler Murray, he's dealing with the ankle issue. Even if he plays, he hasn't really been the running quarterback that we expected anyhow. It's a, you know, at San Francisco, San Francisco sneakily has been pretty good defensively. Um, he didn't do much against the Niners prior to the Niners bye week. This might not be a great matchup for him. No, it's not. The only thing that gives me a little ray of hope is seeing uh, Justin Fields have some success uh, yeah. running against them this week. But I'm sorry, my phone's buzzing here on these uh, these no uh, Packers updates. All the alerts, um, yes. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I think that I'm a little concerned about Murray. I've got him in a couple leagues, and I think that not only does he have this ankle thing, but he got banged up the previous week, and I think things are starting to pile up. And what we saw last season with a shoulder injury was that it really did hurt his effectiveness. And we saw in the first half of last season, he ran for like eight touchdowns in the first half and then and, and stopped running. And I think that it's it might be a trend here that they're saying, hey, we don't want you out there getting hurt. So he's not running as much. Uh, that concerns me against San Francisco. Their pass defense is pretty strong. Uh, if I, I was looking at it earlier and their pass DVOA was uh, it's actually middle of the pack. It's not it's not that amazing, but um but they've they've been pretty strong against against uh, quarterbacks, and yeah, I'm I'm concerned about Murray, especially if, if he tries to go. And they're describing this as a one to three week injury. Yeah, I'm concerned if he if he decides to go. I think in the leagues I've got him, I've got to run him out there. But it's hard to find a better option. Yeah, but you know, especially with Hopkins, he only played what eight snaps or ran eight routes last week. I don't think it was snaps. I think eight routes last right. week. We don't know how healthy he is. Yeah, it's a it's a definite um, concern. But I don't know how you find a better option on the wire at this point. No, I, I, the only place I could is a guillotine league I'm in, uh, and I've got <laughs> Murray. So now I have to make that tough call. Uh, oh and yeah, I've been like sneaking by every single week. It's like second to last, third to last. That's all I need. Just don't be last, uh, and then you know, quietly right. getting a little bit better. But uh, gonna have I'm gonna have to be have to make some tough decisions after the show here. Uh, Rogers sure. was one of the teams that was available too. Uh, one of the quarterbacks that was available on the waiver wire too. So and what a uh, great matchup! Gosh, that's you know, I, know. We, I feel like we got robbed of you know the Green Bay Arizona game, and then we're gonna get Adams and Lazard back, and we're gonna have this Green Bay Kansas City game, and now we're getting robbed of that too. I know it's awful. Yeah. It's awful. COVID, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, so, Jordan, let's let's address that. Jordan Love, we've never seen him in a real NFL game, like, it, well, at least in terms of you know where where it mattered. Now we're going to see him thrown into the fire right away here. 
What do we do with Adams? What do we expect out of Love? What do you think? Yeah, I think it really limits Adams to maybe being a top-end wide receiver two, middle-of-the-road wide receiver two. I think he's still going to have plenty of volume. And now, you know, this this is pure speculation, but a lot of times these these backup quarterbacks come in and they're one-read guys. And so they're going to drop back and lock onto their first read. And more often than not, that's going to be Adams. So I still think there's going to be volume there for Adams, and I don't think yeah. you can put him on the bench. And right. um, But I think all the other pl- skill position players sort of fall away. I think you just can't trust any pass catcher outside of Adams. And, of course, you're running Aaron Jones out there. But right. other than that, I think it just it just really pairs the the fantasy tree down to you know one or two guys. I, I'd agree. Maybe if you squint, you can put in AJ Dillon just because they're going to be ground chucking it so much again. Uh, but it, it, you know, Love is the only healthy quarterback. Just saw this from Pelissero too. Their practice squad QB also tested positive. Uh, Kurt Bankert uh, also tested positive earlier this week. So Jordan Love is the only healthy QB right now for the, oh for the my Packers. Goodness. I don't know what I don't, happens. Yeah, what happens if you go to the – I mean, they have to bring somebody in to hold the clipboard, but if love goes down, holy cow. Yeah, what a mess. What Brutal. a big mess. Uh, so Awful. I'm sure we'll be scrambling about that all day, talking about that. Uh, moving on to running backs real quick. Uh, Nick Chubb, I expected a little bit more volume last week. You know, I know the Steelers are a tough matchup. Draw Cincinnati this week. We saw what Michael Carter did against them. Yeah, if Michael Carter can make, make make people miss tackles, certainly Nick Chubb can, right? You would think so. And and I'm hoping that the lack of work that Chubb got this week was just them ramping him up and wanting to be careful with him. Uh, yeah, it was certainly frustrating as a Chubb manager to see Dearness Johnson get in there for the goal line carry. Gosh, that, yep. that's and, – and it seems to be – and I made this point last year when, uh, when Chubb got hurt and, and – we all thought Hunt was going to go nuclear. They really just subbed in someone else in the Chubb role. And that seems to be Stefanski's uh, way that he um, just got a notification. Rogers is not vaccinated. So Hmm. that's why he's already been ruled out. That's interesting. Um, So, yeah, unfortunate. But, yeah, so I think that uh, Stefanski, what he likes to do is I think he likes to stick guys in these roles and I don't think we can necessarily count on an expanded role just because there's an injury. So yeah. I think that we're seeing more of that because we saw maybe Dearness Johnson and 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 Felton kind of come in and take the hunt role, and there wasn't the uh, volume we wanted for Chubb. I do think, though, that, that Cincinnati can be had. I think they're a stronger defense than we thought they'd be coming into the year. And um, I'm worried about the Browns' offense in general. So I do knock Chubb a little bit, not necessarily for the matchup, but just because I think the offense has been weaker than we thought. And I don't see signs of that recovering right now. And, and maybe that's partially uh, Baker's shoulder. I don't know. But yeah. but I am concerned. Their last three games, I don't think they've been over 17 points. You know, you know I don't think any Twitter video is going to get OBJ going. Uh, we'll see about that. But, uh, you know, one of the things is the Browns ran – they were just so ineffective. They ran fewer plays. Harder to get that volume up for your running backs if you're running fewer plays. That game – Flew by too. A lot of, lot of, yeah. a lot of running and just. You know, I, I do, you know, I do the rewatch every, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, every game, and I think that one ran thirty-three minutes. Some of them go like fifty. Now some of that's editing and good cutting, but a lot of that was just, it was a quick game. Yep, yep. That's uh, that's a concern. Denver running backs. 
we all, you know, if you're on football Twitterverse, everybody wants Javante Williams to get more carries, more work. The, the Broncos, they don't see it that way. They are pretty steadfast in going 50-50. And honestly, Melvin Gordon was more effective last week. Uh, so, you know, maybe not the week before when it was Williams shredding tackles and all that. But what do we do with these guys going forward? Is there is there a period of time where we see Williams get step up in that workload? Or is this going to be this way the rest of the year? Yeah, unfortunately, I, I think that's what we're looking at because I don't see that there's a reason for Denver to want to switch it up. And a lot of times what, what we like to do in the Twitter sphere is, well, we know Javante's the future, but these teams don't care. They understand that it's a long season. It's a grind. Mm-hmm. They do not care. They want the two options there. And Melvin Gordon, frankly, has actually been pretty good. Yep. This past week, uh, Gordon saw 57% of the snaps. Uh, Williams had 43%. Now, I think Williams uh, got dinged up during the game, but he ended up coming back and, and playing. But So I think he missed a few snaps. But, yeah, they're, they're committed to the 50-50. And not only that, but even the routes run, they're, they're both seeing a sort of equal amount. So you can't really say that one or the other is taking over a passing game role or anything. Right. And I think – you know, this past week, I know that Gordon got three red zone opportunities and Williams got none, but I don't think that's a product of they like Gordon in the red zone. I think it really comes down to who's in the game and whose drive it is when they get down there to score. So it's going to be continue to be frustrating. And this week is a tough spot. Dallas yeah. stops the run well, but I think that they got a couple smash spots coming up with Philly and the Chargers, and then they followed up with the Chiefs and the Lions. So... You got four monster spots for the Denver running backs after this week. Um, there's a bye thrown in there, but four really monster matchups. So hold on to those Denver guys, and yeah, they'll be fine. Yeah, don't do anything crazy like dropping Williams for Adrian Peterson, for instance. Just do not do that. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm sure we'll see it. I you know Jeff Manns always throws out like ha- during his uh, t- his Tuesday or his Wednesday show. Show me the bad uh, free agent moves and screens. People screenshot them and all that during his show and all that. So I, I could see that happening. A, a lot of Peterson related ones. I don't think it's going to be as mu- as disastrous as Josh Gordon, but I think it's going to be less than what you expect. Definitely. Yeah. Um, all right, quickly uh, do a couple of wide receivers uh, before we move on to our next uh, main issue. But uh, DJ Moore, it's got to be frustrating lately. Uh, you know, quarterback play. You don't know who's going to be the quarterback this week. Uh, PJ Walker doesn't look the part, and Sam Darnold's really struggled lately. We'll see if he comes back from the concussion. Plus, they've decided they want to run the ball like 400 times per game. So it leaves DJ Moore in a tough spot. Yeah, I think that's more probably, uh, you know, the the coaches reacting to the fact that they're struggling so so mightily in the passing game that they got to get something going on the ground to take some mm-hmm. pressure off of Darnold. At least I'm guessing that's what it is. But yeah, the uh, boy, that Carolina offensive line is a major problem. It is. Uh, Pro Football Focus has them ranked as the 30th ranked uh, pass blocking unit. And they're only 23rd ranked run blocking. So it's just the offensive line has been a huge problem. I don't think that Sam Darnold, here's the thing. The pro football reference actually has Darnold as being 12th best in the league and on target throws. So when he throws the ball, he's an accurate thrower. But I think he's having trouble with the reads and the offense. and, and yeah. what he. So I think he's having trouble with the mental side of the game. And after the first three games the honeymoon like you were referencing earlier they got tape on what they're trying to do in carolina and you subtract christian mccaffrey and what he does to move the chains 
and it creates a whole uh, just it's just a morass. I, I don't know another way to say it, but terrible offensive line play. Quarterback's not getting through his reads. You know, wide terrible receiver play too. Ball. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, this is crazy. So the number one guy. This was um, coming into this week. I, I have not looked at the drop numbers, but coming in, is this. Uh, regardless, doesn't matter. The point is, the number one guy was uh, Debo Samuel had seven drops, but tied for second was both Robbie Anderson and Chuba Hubbard had six, and DJ Ooh. Moore had five. So his essentially his top three options between Moore, Anderson, and Hubbard have combined for seventeen drops already, and easily tops in the league. Not so the all of those were in the Minnesota game either. Uh, it just seemed like it, but <laughs> it felt like it. It felt like it. Yeah. And I, I'm heavily invested in the Panthers, believe me. So it, it's been yeah. brutal. It's a combination of a lot of things. I don't know how they're going to dig out of it because that offensive line isn't suddenly going to get better. But I think Christian McCaffrey can be a band aid for a lot of things. But hell, we don't know if he's going to get if he's going to be healthy either. So I'm officially yeah. worried. But DJ Moore is certainly, you know, while he's taking a hit. I don't think it's a guy that you can bench at this point. I agree. I agree. I got some pressure saying I should have him lower, but then again, some of the guys that I'm right near around him, I'm not that like Devonte Smith versus DJ Moore. I'm probably going to still go more. Uh, yeah. It, it's just, especially I, I think this week against the Chargers, I think they're going to run up It's going to be a, a heavy run game for both sides there. Perhaps we'll, we'll see about that. But to your point about the offensive line, I'm a Bengals fan and you know, Michael Jordan uh, was their starting right guard for a good chunk of the season he ended up on Carolina this year after the Bengals let him go, and he's been getting a lot of playing time. He is on the struggle bus. Yeah, he, yeah. he is a guy that really struggled last year, one of the lowest rated uh, linemen according to PFF. And this, when I saw that he was getting a lot of playing time for Carolina, I knew that their kind of their options were pretty thin. Yeah, and if you're taking a guy from Cincinnati who already did not have a good offensive line themselves, now they're yep. better this year. But if you're if you're taking a guy from Cincinnati, yeah, you're in trouble. Yeah, and it's definitely going to be that way. Tight end, real quick. We'll go to a question in the audience on this one here. Uh, Pitts or Kelsey, rest of season? Who do you like? That's still Kelsey for me. I, me I, there's a little bit of panic out there, and I can understand it. Uh, I think the Chiefs will get sorted. I really do. I, I do think that Mahomes is struggling right now, and the, the entire offense is – this is weird to say. They're struggling to find their identity because they've been a deep-shot team and everyone's sitting back in, in, in deep shells and, and taking that away. So they're trying to figure themselves out. Andy Reid's a really smart guy. Mahomes is still one of the best in the league. So uh, I don't think it's time to panic. I do think that the Pitts usage, it, it's right there. It's right there. The problem sure. is I, I do think that having Ridley on the field will have, you know, excuse me, having him off the field is going to have an impact. Impact. It's going to be a negative impact on Pitts, in my opinion. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm still going Kelsey. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and I, I think you're, to your point on Ridley, I think you're absolutely right. I was, you know, watching that game, they were just draped all over Pitts. Sometimes there's, three, you know, there's, it kind of surrounded yeah. him in a, in a play. There's a, a, a play that was uh, called for PI, but, he, you know, he, he had four guys around him on the play. I was like, wow. I, um, I remember watching some of it and thinking, I, I don't know if this is anecdotal because it's one of those things where I like I'm watching these TVs behind me. I've got five games going and I'm not listening to some of them, but I'm mm -hmm. watching. And every time I look up, I see Pitts with two or three guys on him. And I think, I don't know if it's anecdotal, but at this point, I'm concerned that Ridley missing is going to be a long term problem. Yeah, I agree. The funny thing is, you know, no Ridley. 
Pitts has got all this coverage. Russell Gage got zero targets in that game. Zero. zero. Wild. Wild. Very I don't wild. Man, it's one of those weeks. We can talk about that, but one of those weeks where just weird stuff happened and you just throw up your hands and go, you know, as an analyst, like, what are you supposed to do on some of this stuff? 100% agree. Uh, we got a couple more topics to hit up, but a quick, a quick couple of notes as well before we move on. Uh, first from Yahoo, the new NFL season is underway, and Yahoo is excited to kick off daily fantasy football. There will be a ton of big prize contests throughout the season on Yahoo, including their multi-entry contests now being shark-free. To celebrate the beginning of football season and Yahoo Daily Fantasy becoming shark-free, Yahoo is giving all users the opportunity to claim free $10 in contest entry credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 contest entry credit offer to join one of Yahoo's biggest contests. In addition to the free credit, Yahoo has a $1 million DFS football contest live. The $1 million contest features $1 million in total prizes, including first place receiving $100,000 and an entry to the first ever Yahoo Fantasy Football Championship live finals event, which will occur at MGM National Harbor in Maryland this December. Play daily fantasy football on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to claim the free $10 offer to get started. We also want to bring you a quick note from our friends at Thrive. Thrive is back for another season of fantasy football, and they're running huge guaranteed contests each week this NFL season. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up today and get a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Here's how you can claim your free Rotowire subscription. One, visit rotowire.com slash thrive. Two, deposit a minimum of $10 and receive a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. And three, play in your first paid contest and receive that free six-month Rotowire subscription. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Big thanks to our sponsors there from Yahoo, Thrive, and the Blue Wire Network. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Drew Davenport. You can find Drew at footballguys.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at Drew FBG Auctions. Uh, a t- really good follow, especially when you know, there's interesting topics intersect the legal world and the fancy football world. It's tough to talk about guys like Deshaun Jackson. I mean, Deshaun Watson. Jeez. Deshaun Jackson is a little easier to talk about right now. Uh, <laughs> but Deshaun Watson or talking about Calvin Ridley or or Henry Ruggs, uh, which broke yesterday. It's necessary to talk about him, though, too. We don't want to have to do it. It's uncomfortable. But we kind of need to do so. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I think that is underplayed, in, in a, especially in our business, is the role that mental health has on on the actions of these guys. Right. And and that comes down to guys like Josh Gordon too. I think it's easy to get on Twitter and fire off a funny tweet about Josh can't put the blunt down. In reality, Josh Gordon has some mental health issues. Right. And I think that that's the same thing that's in play here with Calvin Ridley. It's and and it's one of the things that I do in my job every day that I did not realize was going to be such a big part of my job. When I took the job, I had no clue but yeah. what happens is, if you'll allow me a, a, a 20 second rant here, please do so. Uh, yeah, what happens is, I th- there's not a lot of excitement in our communities and with when we go to the voting booth about mental health issues. And so, what happens is, we continue to elect people that uh, take away the, the resources, the community resources, they close mental health uh, treatment centers. They don't put the funding towards it. It's not something sexy that you go to the voting booth for. Right. And so people don't care about it, but then they care about it when it matters to them. And I, th- I would venture to say that the majority of people have had an issue or had a problem uh, affect them that's been mental health related and they didn't realize it. And so the, the end of the rant is this. In my job, I see mental health issues every day because unfortunately what happens is when you cut the funding to those mental health treatment facilities and, and professionals and th- uh, community programs, then it falls on the criminal justice system. And you have people who are not qualified trying to handle it. You have, right. uh, you know, CEOs in the jail trying to deal with it. And you have, you know, me, I'm not a trained mental health professional. Uh, now over 16 years of doing it as a public defender, I've learned a lot about it, but that's really what we're talking about here. And I've got to be honest you know, to Sean Watson, when we talk about Watson, there's some mental health issues there. Now, I don't sure. know whether it's just some sort of, you know, overblown malignant narcissism or if it's true mental health issues, but there's something going on there because the allegations, if you read the civil suits, and I don't want to get too into the weeds, but if you read the civil suits, some of the behavior alleged, that's not something you or I think is normal behavior. 
So there is right. a mental health issue here, there. And so I really believe that talking about this stuff is the first thing, is the first step that we have to have. Because if we don't understand that a lot of the genesis of these problems is the mental health stuff, then we're missing missing it right out of the gate. And it's hard to do, but it's necessary to do because if you don't talk about it, then then people just don't have any idea that that's why it's going on. Right. I think our awareness is getting uh, it's getting sharpened a little bit. I mean, it's we saw better. Simone Biles in the Olympics. I mean, that 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 really brought that conversation to the forefront. Now, there's a lot of other stuff going on with the USA gymnastics uh, that you know is related to that too, um, right. and, and with the Nasser case and all that, and how how bad that's going to that, that, how bad that's been. But you know, with Ridley, I mean, the tough part for us is you know we don't know what the issue is. It's not our right to know. And yet at the same time, you know, fancy players, they have, it's our job to tell them what a player's value is to us. Can I play my player this week? How long am I going to be able to to not be without him? What should I do? Uh, These are things we have to answer. Yeah, it is really hard because for instance, I wrote uh, an article about Henry Ruggs yesterday. Yeah. And it's really hard to, to get into that article and want to give someone football advice when a young woman just lost her life and now it's going to affect rugs uh the rest of his life and there was a passenger in the car in his car that was seriously right. injured as well yeah yeah so it's hard to get into that and say okay now here's what you want to do in dynasty leagues that's hard but i think you can just preface it by saying i understand that you come to football guys for football advice so here's my football advice having said that you know a lot of times what i say you know in the watson case i lead in by saying Keep in mind that these are there are 22 to you know, 24 women. Their lives are never going to be the same. And I'm not talking about the incident itself, although that's traumatic in and of itself. I'm mm-hmm. talking about I guarantee that when they had to name those names for the civil suit, there was a there was a dust up because uh, Busby filed all the suits under Jane Doe. And then uh, the court uh, made a ruling that they had to go ahead and file their actual name. So I know that one woman dropped out because she didn't want her name out there. And that's the thing you have to understand the reality of when we're talking about this stuff is it's easy to be flip on Twitter and it's easy to go on a show and, and make jokes or, or make comments about it. These women, their lives are going to be changed forever. I guarantee they're getting messages. They're getting threats. They're getting all this grief because they want to come forward and say, Hey, this thing happened to me. And that's an unfortunate, just part of our society in general, but you have to have that in mind. These are people their lives are forever changed when these incidents happen. Right. That's right. And I think you need to approach it from that way. Uh, and, you know, you had a really good thread a couple of weeks ago talking, you know, t- talking about the nuances between cases and charges and what, you know, the, the process. And you've been on a, on a defending side here. You know, sometimes the wheels of justice move slowly, but usually not this slowly with Deshaun Watson. But it's also a very highly unusual case, yeah. though, too. Yeah. It's been really slow. I I, I got to be honest, it, bl- it kind of blows me away. I do think that there's a couple things at play that make it slower, but it, one of those is, of course, when you're when you're going after a celebrity or somebody like Deshaun Watson, you really got to button it up. Not that you shouldn't do a good job in other cases, but you really got to have everything buttoned up. I think also they're dealing probably with one of the delays is probably they're trying to get contemporaneous evidence uh, about the incidents. And what that means is that they're trying to go through social media, uh, Instagram messages 
uh, text messages, things like that. That stuff is actually difficult to obtain uh, through subpoena. And I've been told on more than one occasion by Verizon or different car uh, carriers that they don't uh, keep text message information. Now, I went to a continuing legal education seminar where I heard that that was largely uh, something they say to blow people off and that, right. that right. Uh, police officers have better luck. And that shouldn't be how the system works. But the bottom line is what they're doing is walking through a bunch of red tape, subpoenas to get information from Instagram, from mm -hmm. text messages, from cell phone carriers. And so that contemporaneous information is going to be really important in the Watson case because there are there's not going to be a lot of physical evidence. And, and a lot of people say that to me and they say, well, there's no evidence. And I say, well, you have to be careful on what you call evidence. Right. A lot of us are, are conditioned to watch TV shows and say, well, evidence is, you know, um, DNA samples or, or a piece of hair or a fingerprint. But evidence in, in actual criminal cases that I deal with for the most part a lot of times it just comes down to testimony right. and, and circumstantial evidence, which is all very much admissible and can be used uh, against someone. But I think that it's easy to say, well, there's no evidence, but a lot of it's going to come down to testimony and statements that people made and conversations they had with friends at the time this stuff happened. That's right. all very tough to put together. So I understand that it's taking a while, but if you'd have told me that we'd be sitting here in November uh, from some complaints made in April, I would have told you you're crazy. Because uh, seven months, I think, is absurd. So either my my theory at this point is that the delay is probably positive for Watson because they're not finding what they need. And so they're trying to make sure they check all the boxes before they come out and say, hey, we can't charge him with X, Y, or Z. Um, right. We're probably going to charge him with a couple misdemeanors, but he's probably not going to have some felonies coming. That's my take on it. But, you know, who knows? I, I don't know what they what they're looking at right now. Yeah, that, that, I think that's a really good point. Um, I, there was a lot of talk yesterday from his attorney, and you tweeted this out, uh, from uh, the, the civil uh, suits attorney suggesting that the Dolphins were trying to pressure a lot of these uh, uh, complainants <laughs> to settle. Yeah. Uh, and because they, they, did, you know, they didn't want to have that on their hands. They wanted to have a certain threshold, at least, uh, which there's a whole lot of, whole lot of that, that going on. I don't even know how to parse that. Boy, that's wild. That was that statement was wild. I mean, if you're an attorney and you see a statement like that, mm -hmm. you kind of go, "Whoa!" Like that. The, I don't know how much. It, okay, here's the thing. People have this idea about Tony Busby that he's just some ambulance chasing cretin, you know, slimy guy. I don't know Tony Busby. Of course, I don't. And he's done some kind of wacky, like publicity things for some of his clients in the past. Right. So I get, I get the impression of him. And I don't think it's undeserved. I think that he's done some things that have brought some heat on his tactics. Sure. But I will say, Busby's a really shrewd guy. He knows what he's doing. And he signed these women up because he he's going to get results. And so I right. think it's a, it's a bad idea to underestimate Busby. And to that point, his statement, holy cow, if it's true that the Dolphins were coming at them to try to settle Wow, that's a bombshell. Now, I don't know if it's going to get the bombshell treatment, but that's a massive statement. I don't even know what to make of it. What I can right. say is that I think it bears out what I said at, in my last thread, and I made the analogy of a poker hand. Are you a poker player? I am. Okay. Not a good one, yeah. but avid. Avid, <laughs> but mediocre. Same with my golf yeah. game. Yeah, no, I hear you. Well, so the, the point I had made was 
that if you're sitting there at the table and, and let's say you've got a suit at ace in your hand and there's and there's two of the same suit on the flop, so now you've got a flush draw, and somebody makes a bet to you and you decide to shove all in, you have several ways that you can win the pot. You can win the pot because you can hit your overcards, like you say you can hit your ace, uh, and he has a pair, so you hit your ace and you win the pot. You can win the pot because you hit your flush. You can win the pot because he folds. Uh, there's a lot of ways that you can win the pot when you shove all in there. And what I said was, when people were asking me, do I pick up Deshaun Watson? Now, I'll admit, I picked him up in a couple leagues just you know, to play keep away. I didn't really think it was going to happen, but mm-hmm. I, on the 20% chance or whatever that I was giving it, I was going to have him. But the point about the poker analogy is this. You're on the other side when you're trying to talk about Watson, that there were so many ways you could lose in the Watson situation, and that came to pass. And one of the ways was that there just wouldn't be a deal because there's too much in the way. And that's that all comes back to what what Busby's statement was about, which is that there was just way too much to do within this last week. If they were really serious about settling, that should have started two months ago. And th- there's just no way, especially with the Houston Police Department investigation still hanging out there. There's right. just no way you can ram through 22 civil suits in this short period of time. And, and I just always thought there's too many ways to lose. You're getting somebody's shoving all the chips in on you. And there's right. a lot of ways you can lose this pot. I just didn't see it as a high, a high leverage play. I agree. I agree. It's not like uh, the, like the legal system adheres to the NFL's trade deadline as, as their own yeah. deadline. Yeah. Houston and, you know, doesn't care. Yeah. yeah the exactly. police department doesn't care. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Um, how did you get started uh, providing information uh, in the fantasy football sphere? I tell you what, I, I every time I tell the story, I, I give a shout out to a couple different people. Um, the first was I, I actually got on Twitter just because of the Tyreek Hill case. Okay. And I, really, I was watching and following it, and um, I thought to myself, gosh, there's people missing stuff here in this case. And they're, they're really talking about stuff they don't know anything about. It frustrates sure. me to hear people you know, talking about legal situations, you know, I got in a discussion with a guy last night who was trying to tell me that my opinion about refusing breathalyzers was wrong, which is wild because I've done thousands of DUI cases. So, right. you know, that's how it goes. You know, people just, so anyway, that I got on Twitter for that and put out a long Tyreek Hill thread. And I give a shout out to Matt Schaff from Draft Sharks. Yep. He picked it up and retweeted it. And then Ryan McDowell, he uh, ran with it. And then all it just blew up. And so I credit those two guys as given my chance. But then the guy who picked it up and, and gave me my shot was Joe Bryant. I got yeah. a I got a DM from him saying, Hey, this looks really good. We need a legal correspondent. Uh, and just as a bonus, you like auctions. We need some of that too. So what do you think? So uh, those three guys were instrumental in, in giving me my shot. That's awesome. That's really awesome. How long ago was that? So it was what? I'm sorry. Yeah, you asked when. Uh, that was uh, June of 19. So I've only been in the space here. This is my third season. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I, I was, man, June of 19 seems like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? Doesn't uh, it? it does. <laughs> it's so many crazy things that have happened since then. Uh, you've been playing, obviously, though, for a really long time. And I know you're being into auctions. You, you were tweeting about your home league a while back and some of the things mm-hmm. that during draft season. How long has that league been going on? We are in our 21st year. So nice. we we started right when I got out of law school and we didn't do auction for the first two years. And then I got invited to another auction league. And I had played some rotisserie baseball auction stuff and 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but but once I got in this other auction league, I thought, oh my gosh, this is incredible. So I immediately switched my league to it. So we've been doing auction in my league for I think 18 years, but the league's been around 21. That's fantastic. You know, I've done a lot more baseball auctions and football auctions. It's true uh, that that's where it started. Like my original baseball league is the one that started Rotowire. We started the company in 97, but we were doing the league since like 94, I want to say 93, or at least that's when I joined. I think it started even uh, before I, uh, it started a couple years before I joined. Um, and it's always been auction and baseball. That was the original format. And so yeah. I've, I've always loved auctions and seeing it now getting applied in more and more football leagues. It's just the best. I, I absolutely adore auctions. Yeah, and a funny story about that. The the original baseball league that I was in, I was actually in a baseball auction in eighth grade. But uh, I know this is funny when I talked to um, uh, someone this summer, he had the same comment about my league. uh, We went off of the original 260. I don't know if that that was what you guys used, but we used a $260 cap. And we transferred that over to my football league. So we actually expanded the roster a little bit and made it 270. But everybody's like, why is your cap 270? I'm like, yeah, that's pretty weird. It's a rotisserie baseball holdover. That's so funny. My yeah. original baseball league is actually $15 because we used real dollars uh, and bid on dime increments and all that. <laughs> oh, wow, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, inflation's gotten up a little bit. Cost of, cost of leagues have gotten higher since then. But uh, that's cool. Yeah. It's a and we still do that with my baseball league. It's an old school AL only four by four league, but we include the Brewers because the Brewers were in the American League when this started and all that. It's just it's got that a lot of character. Cool. A lot of Brewers fans in the league are like, we can't lose the Brewers. No, so yeah. it's AL plus Brewers. It's it's fun, uh, but I just I love the background there. Um, and football auctions. I mean, it used to be the only advice used to be okay. It's it's stars and scrubs. It's the way to go. And yeah. for a while that was true. But now leagues have evolved, roster spots have evolved. It's not so simple anymore. No, it's not. And the advice I always give is it's really a sliding scale there. It's not yeah. you don't want to go stars and scrubs in a deep league. You, right. You, you gotta you gotta go uh, a little bit flatter the deeper the leagues go. And in your eight and eight and ten team leagues, even your twelve team, it's a much more viable strategy to go stars and scrubs because you can work the wire and fill in some of those gaps. And you need positional advantages. So I believe in 10-team leagues, uh, mm-hmm. you can draft a nice, solid roster, but then you're always going to be you know, hoping to play somebody uh, who you can outscore uh, with an average score. I think positional differentiation in 10-teamers, uh, especially auctions, is, is king. I, I'd agree with that. The quarterback position has become a bigger – a component of that now too lately you know standard practice used to be there's maybe two or three exceptional quarterbacks but even then um waiting on quarterbacks or going cheaper on quarterbacks as the case may be was a highly viable strategy but in the last couple of years positional advantage there at qb has been a big deal yeah i agree and one of the things i've been preaching is that you really have a you have a value gap is what i've been calling it mm-hmm. because there are still uh, auction drafters in your room who are going to want to wait no matter what. They're going to want to get a $1, $2, $4 quarterback. That's just how yep. they're going to do it. And then there's going to be guys who go after the top guys, who go after uh, Lamar and Mahomes and those kind of guys. And it creates a little bit of a in-between, like between the guys who are always going to wait and the guys who are going to always pay up. There's a little gap in there. Last year, that was Deshaun Watson for me. It was really successful. I, I got him pretty cheap in some auctions because people just were committed to their strategy. That. Yeah, and then um, 
you know, the this year I think it was Tannehill. Now he's been a little bit up and down, but Jalen Hurts was one of the guys that you could get for a reasonable price. And even Dak Prescott. I ended up with Dak in in a couple auctions because he wasn't necessarily as cheap as I wanted, but he was much cheaper than the top tiers. So I was really happy to sign up a guy in that explosive offense. So I think there is a value gap developing in auctions that you can exploit. Yeah, I think so too. I think, and then the other uh, big intersection uh, of, of auction strategy and play and, and fancy football is also when you spend your money in the auctions, a lot of people are big about spending early. Others are, I'm always going to wait and see if I can get those middle tier guys for the bargain. My experience is the more, the more experienced the room is, the less viable it is to wait uh, that those middles get highly contested. Uh, the, the, those tip, prototypical like four through six round players actually get priced up quite a bit. Yeah, I th- I think that the more experience, I, I think you're right. The more experience that's in the room, the harder it is to um, to wait around because you're not going to find deals on players that are going to be difference makers for your team anyway. So right. what I always preach is to make sure that you know what you're after as far as the top of your roster. And go after that hard early so that you know what you're spending on the top of your roster. And then you can decide, well, can I wait or do I need to jump in and and continue to build? But I think that it's easy to sit back and say, I'm going to wait on these values. But if you're in a a room with with good drafters, they know what you're doing and they know what they're doing. So you're not going to find that. And I think it's more important to know what you want to spend. And when you see a player going in that neighborhood, then you go after them, and you don't really worry about the raw dollars. I say that a lot, and, and and when I say raw dollars, what I mean is I think when you go into a draft, you have the tendency to say, well, I'm not going to pay more than this for this guy. And that's just not a good way to do it because right. that raw dollar amount is fine for preparation. But when you get in the room, it really only matters how it fits on your team as the draft is developing. So I throw the raw dollar values out the window and say, can I fit this guy on my team? Is this working for my particular build in this draft? And when you're in a veteran room, that's what it's all about. It's all about ignoring the raw dollars and can I fit this guy on my team? Right, right. Having the context to build a roster, knowing what the league values sometimes is important. Uh, certain, certainly, and of course, every every politics are always local. Uh, you need to know what the scoring system is, any quirks in the leagues, whether it's, you know, boosted tight end or QB flex, you know, obviously that changes everything. And mm-hmm. I love those wrinkles because then it changes the, the valuations quite a bit, but uh, and I could go on forever about that and about oh, options yes. generally. So could I, <laughs> uh, but I know that I cannot go on forever. You've got, you've got a big event coming up today. I've got the show coming up. So Drew, I want to really thank you for jumping on board. Uh, this has been a joy talking with you and uh, hopefully we can cross paths again soon. Jeff, I had a great time. I, I really enjoyed uh, talking with you too. And all these topics are stuff I could talk about forever and ever. So maybe we'll do a, um, a switch around and you can come on my show uh, um, so we can get to chat again. When is your show? Um, I drop it on Thursday mornings, but it, it was typically just a draft show. Okay. But um, the masses have been clamoring for more. <laughs> oh, good. That's good. So, yeah, so I've dropped a couple recently and it's turning into like maybe an every other week thing. So yeah, I'll look you up because this has been, this has been a really fun conversation. I've enjoyed it. Absolutely. And uh, when can people work? What articles a week do you? Uh, when do you usually come out with your articles every week? 
Yeah, so on football guys, uh, again, I'm, I'm mostly a draft prep guy. So you're looking for legal stuff from me, or uh, I do take part in the football guys roundtables. So we talk about cool. the big issues. Um, so you can find that over on footballguys.com. And during draft prep season, I do have a YouTube page uh, titled The Auction Brief. And my podcast is also titled The Auction Brief. Very cool. Very cool. All right, guys, make sure to follow Drew on Twitter. Uh, anything, anytime, anything breaks, you're going to be able to want, he's your guy in terms of legal issues and also auctions and just generally good, uh, good topics in general. So at Drew FBG auctions and check out his work on football guys. And of course the, uh, on the podcast as well. And if you go to his Twitter profile, there's a link to everything there. So make sure to check that out. Uh, big thanks to everybody for listening. All of your comments. We appreciate that. Thanks to WinBet for your continuing sponsorship. We got uh, Mario and John back at it again tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thanks, Jeff. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.